BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. up y'all this is nina perez and this is straight talk no sugar added i am so stoked that you are here because you know i go around this amazing planet finding the best humans i can find to come on here to grow challenge and transform your thinking so today i found kevin y'all say hi to kevin kevin hannigan is the chief learning officer at click kevin's passion is the intersection of business technology learning and psychology and he frequently speaks and writes on topics of data informed decision making and the future of learning and the growth mindset now you guys know that we're always talking about mindset and growth and business and all this great stuff so kevin you are right here with the people these are your people kevin Perfect. how are you today how are you i'm doing well how are you doing I'm a pleasure Good. to be here and this is how i like my coffee too it's great with no sugar so it's perfect right <laughs> This is going to be great then. So, Kevin, the way I like to start is I like to let my audience know a little bit more about you because I, you know, one thing I got to say about my audience is that I really try to build community. And so they're mm -hmm. really great at like connecting and following the people that are on the show and things like that. So, I want them to know who Kevin is. So, who is Kevin? Absolutely. Loaded question. I, I will I'll start by saying I'm a father of four. Um, and cool. they actually teach me quite a bit. Um, a couple of them have special needs, mental health issues. And that's interesting enough, put me on my journey to where I'm here today. So undergraduate, I was a techie, computer science and math, love data, love analytics, love programming. But I was starting to realize as I went into the workforce, we sometimes lose some of the skills that we inherently have kids, like, like being curious and, and asking why. And mm -hmm. sometimes mm -hmm. it's just the culture of companies suppress those. And it's leading to where now everyone's overloaded with information they see even in an individual setting or you see something on the news and it's it's hard to process and it's because we've kind of i would say we've regressed but we don't use those soft skills anymore so it you know my, my kids especially the ones with special needs kind of taught me hey it's good to get diverse perspectives hey two different people can see the same problem differently they're not right or wrong they're just different and the more right. that you learn about the differences the more you're going to innovate and i started applying it to my job I'm like you know what there's like this holy grail here that's sitting in front of us, but we all think technology and automation is going to make things better. Right. It's actually making it hurt or less because we're forgetting the human element. Yeah. 
And we are right. I mean, just in the learning process alone, right, Kevin, like, I used to be able to do, you know, like math problems pretty quickly in my head or used to, you know, remember phone numbers, like uh, the back of my hand, it was no issue. I don't have that skill anymore. Like I forget people's numbers right away. I, you know, I'm using my calculator now, or I'm asking Siri or something. Right. And so I, I see what you're talking about. And I think that's, that's a real thing. Right. So what, what was it that you learned from your, was it your son or daughter or Son, How did that, yeah. your son, how did that come about? Was there something that was happening and, and it just, yeah, I mean, yeah. So they have, they have autism and they also have borderline mm -hmm. personality. If you know anything about those, they just, you know, from an autism per perspective, they see the world very black and white and very rigid. Mm -hmm. And yeah. as I was, you know, as they were younger, I was a math major. So I saw it, right. Two plus two is always four. But mm -hmm. then, you know, as they got into puberty, they would make decisions that just, I'm like, where did that come from? But then I would stop and like part of the therapy was to show your work, show your thought process. So they would talk about, well, this is what I was thinking. And I was like, oh my God, they're not wrong. They're actually right. making sense. But I had no, I don't think that way. I never would have right. thought that way. And I'm, you know, openly admitting that more than half the time they were probably more accurate than I was. It's just totally different perspective. And then as I was coming up and being a leader in business and organizations, I was questioning, okay, am I listening to the colleagues? Am I listening to my team? Are, mm. are they, you know, giving me their different perspectives and I'm not listening? And as soon as we started doing, like, we did something called a Congress where we get someone from every part of the stakeholders. So not just the leaders, but, you know, in an education group, it's the trainers, it's the curriculum developers. And we just innovated that year like we've never done before. And it was oh, because wow. the diversity and it all came down to that um, my son would say things that I thought was irrational. And after thinking about it, it was completely rational. It was just different than what I was used to. Right. Oh, man, that is so cool, too, right? And it, it says something about you, too, though, Kevin, because at least you stopped to try to recognize what was happening or look and see what was happening. It says a lot about you, too, right? Because most people ignore it. Or they just, you know, they're stuck in their own ways. So that says a lot about your mind and the way you're willing to innovate and think diversely, right? So was that a, um, I'm just wondering when you brought that to your team, right? Was that something that they were pushing back on? Because a lot of people don't, don't always just accept that either. So was that a pushback or did you find people were excited to try something different and new? Um, Eventually excited. I wouldn't say pushback, confused quite a bit. They're like, wait, yeah. wait, you want my input? Wait, well, why am I here? Wait, what's happening? Right, Is something right. happening? So I think there's a lot of confusion. But once we got into it, everyone was like, wow, this just makes sense. And it just seems so normal and organic. Having said that, you need to have the colleagues that are open. And the word I use is intellectually right. humble, right? You need to know that you're not the end all, be all, know it all, is you need these people. And Mm -hmm. I just happen to have a great team that, that, you know, collaborate and fostered like that. But if the culture isn't there, if there's one person that's like, nope, I'm going to still do hierarchical management and I'm not going to listen to people, it, it's not going to work. So it was it's definitely confusing, yeah. but the, the evidence case, you know, spoke for itself, the, the results. Yeah. And, you know, I guess you're right because that person who will resist or think about that hierarchical way of doing it will stand out like a sore thumb, right? 
I mean, Absolutely. they stand out because then you're like, wow, your arrogance and your ego is getting in your way here, you know? Um, but it also, you know, it could take the team down too, right? Because like you said, it's a culture thing, right? And so it, you know, I always, um, I try to be a servant leader. You know, I have a team mm -hmm. of about 20 under me and I try to, you know, like just today I was like cleaning and, and putting things away and, and they're just like looking at me. I'm like, oh, I'm Hey, I'm in this with you, you know, so um, I totally understand that. But you also get to see when somebody is opposite of that. Right. And, yeah. and it stands out a lot. And then you see a rotating door in their department and then you start to say, OK, something's wrong here. Right. So Absolutely. talk to me about how how you're working that now today. What is the innovation? What is it that you saw coming out? What, what was that? Yeah, so for me, I was in the education space. Like at the time, we were going through a change where our organization had to focus less on growth than market share and more on profitability. So we would be in a situation where we could throw a lot of money and a lot of expenses at building curriculum and courses. Didn't necessarily have to be profitable. So the whole pivot was, okay, we need to stop. And it, it kind of parallels what we're seeing with cable and switching to streaming. We had to stop printing. We used to print like 400-page user manuals that okay. basically were paperweights. We had to make them digital and put them online. We, we had to stop doing, um, you know, classroom training with instructors live in the class. We had to use virtual. We had to use on demand. We had to find innovative ways to come up with different solutions. And we just kept telling people the answer can be outside the box. And it's easier said than done. Mm -hmm. But what people, we did a lot of training on what I call like double loop learning, whereas you're not just focusing on the question, but you're actually challenging the question. Is it the right question? So, you know, is it, if my question is, how do we reduce 2 million in expenses? They would challenge, why is it 2 million? Where is it coming from? Instead of just blindly saying, okay, let's move forward with that. And it gave them a piece of the pie, made them feel empowered to work better. Yeah. Um, and the innovation just flowed because everyone had a seat at the table. They could see what was in it for them. And, and even to this day, when we present challenges, we try to balance them out. Here's where we need to go. Here's where we are. And a lot of people think very micro. It's like, okay, well, this decision you just made, it goes against everything what you're saying. And what I've realized is you can't look at the micro level. You have to look at the macro level. Everything is, is a system. So if I'm going to over rotate on one decision, I'm under rotating on, on another aspect of it. Mm -hmm, but in, mm -hmm. in aggregate at the macro, I'm balancing it out and driving towards the goal. And everyone's minds were just like, and I'm like, that's systems thinking. If you all want to learn about it, go back and learn about systems. It's the best thing I ever learned about, you know, right. in university. It's just a different way to think. And then we just got the camaraderie. The culture was there and it just kept, you know, going forward. It's been awesome since then. And been there eight years now. Oh, wow. That's great. So um, is this a... Um... Like, have you noticed a, a bigger retention? Because you said you've been there Absolutely. eight years, right? Yeah, I was just going to ask you. You've been there eight years. You know we've been through this horrific thing recently. And um, a lot of people are, you know, what, what do they call the, the the big resignation and the quiet quitting yep. and all of that kind of stuff. So how did your company or how did you deal with that with your team and, and you know, making people feel valued or valuable, right, to what they're bringing to the table? What did that look like? It, it, well, it's a combination of employee engagement, making them feel valuable, making sure mm -hmm. we're, we're saying, you know, good job, making sure we're doing social hours and things like that. But the other component of it was educating them that 
what we're going through. So I mentioned a few things, but the, the larger company was also going through a pivot from selling software perpetually. So like you buy it to subscription where you like you rent it. Mm-hmm. Um, they were basically getting a living MBA in real time. They were learning all of these things about the business that are adjusting. You go to school and you learn about theory, but you don't really get to apply it. They were, you know, the pitch I made is you're going through all of this. You're going to now be able to go off in five or six years and have on your resume. You were part of a digital transformation that succeeded and you don't have to read about it in the textbook. You've lived it. And I think people were like, okay, that makes sense. That combined with the fact that, you know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Everyone, Mm -hmm. if the economy is a problem, it's a problem for everyone. It's not company specific. Um, we really got people to stay because they saw, wow, I'm, I'm getting an education while right. working at the same time. So what is it that you want to take with, um, you know, uh, take your team to, to the next level? Like, do you start thinking outside of the box now? Like, how do I push the envelope a little more here? What do I do differently here? How do I structure this differently here? Do you, do you think about those kind of things? We definitely think about structures differently. And I, I think the important thing is that, and it maybe it's common sense to some of the listeners here, but there isn't one right structure. And, and what's right. even more important is there isn't one right structure forever. So the structure when we were going from um, revenue at all cost growth to profitability might have been different than the structure if we were just focusing on um, trying to gain market share, focusing on just trying to stabilize. And so mm-hmm. we've gone through different in our same organization where it was basically completely flat. It was like 80 direct reports to where it was a much more, you know, top heavy, not top heavy, but higher organization. Um, And we're always adjusting based off what the need is. Sometimes there needs to be, like you said, roll up your sleeves, clean up around that, get your hands on, do the service leadership. And then sometimes there's, okay, there's massive change coming. We got to, you know, set the strategy and, and focus on the large change management effort. So, I think our team's very agile because we've pretty much tried every style in the world. And sometimes they're not perfect. Then we learn from it. Um, You said it earlier. The key is recognizing when it's not working and then adjusting instead of just Mm -hmm. sitting there knowing it's not working because you're stubborn or your fear that you might make it worse. And, you know, the truth is, is that stubbornness and ego is a big problem with, you know, a lot of C-suites, you know, things like that, because you know, they've worked their tail off to get there. And so sometimes that ego, you know, can get a little hurt if somebody, you know, questions them or something like that. So let me ask you this. Um, you know, I know I have a lot of C-suite people that listen to this, a lot of people who are entrepreneurs running their own businesses, CEOs, the whole thing. What do you think is like one of the key things you can tell them about, you know, like the mindset, right? That, that growth mindset that you're, you talk about and the shifting. Um, and the reason I'm asking that is because I think most of us who are entrepreneurs and big leaders get in our own way. We get in our own way. And lots of times, right. A lot of times somebody else will have a great idea and we won't even see it because we're in our own way. So what do you think is it like, was that hard for you to like sit there and pull the team in and, you know, say, this is what, you know, I want to listen to all of you guys. Was that, was that hard to, to, to like, I guess, step aside or put your ego to the side? It wasn't for me, luckily, because I, I think I just had that innate growth mindset that I know I don't know everything. 
and and I'm very empathetic on my Myers-Briggs profile, and I really want to, um, as servant leader, grab everyone and, and take them forward. But I agree with you. Most C-suite, I, I think what I would tell them is it's not luck that you got there. You have a skill, but keep in mind the world changes daily. And yeah. so your skill might not be relevant to the situation we're in. Yeah. And someone literally two weeks out of college might be more relevant. But if you don't listen to them, it's yeah. it's going to hurt them. It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt the company. So listening, I guess the summary is listening to people. And it sounds cliche. Um, admitting you don't know everything is not a weakness. It's a strength. And easier said than done. But <laughs> in reality, just have all everyone listening in the C-suite step back and and say, do I know everything? What What's changed in the past five years around technology, digital transformation? I can't know everything. So why wouldn't what I want to get input from people that that come from that angle? And um, I, another thing that we're talking, we, we tend to think we know everything and, and not want to get other inputs, but then we tend to hire people that have the same pedigree as us. And yeah. it doesn't lead to diversity and inclusion. It leads to lack of innovation because they have the same idea as you have. I don't want someone that has the same idea as me. I yeah. want someone who is going to productively and politely challenge me because then I'm going to be better at my job. But that's yeah. hard for people emotionally to accept yeah. that I'm not the master of the universe. Yeah. And that is a hard one, right? Because I've, I mean, I've definitely spoken to some C-suite people that that was one, that is one of their challenges, right? Is that I mean, it's nice to say that you want somebody who's going to challenge you, but once they do, you're pissed, right? Because yep. <laughs> they challenged you. And, uh, you know, that has a lot to do with our ego and our arrogance. And, you know, that just, you hurt my feelings because you didn't agree with me a hundred percent, you know? And so that's something we have to work on internally. And, but that goes back to what you were talking about too, right? With the, with the growth mindset and the innovation and being open-minded and all of that great stuff that we have to do as leaders, we have to do as leaders, right? So can I ask you about click? What, what is, um, what is click and you know, what is it really? Yeah. yeah it's a, a data and analytics company. So we have, so we build software, we help organizations kind of load their data, get it ready for a question that they have to ask of it to find an insight and ultimately make better decisions on. So if it's oh. you know used across different industries, whether it be healthcare, life sciences, sales and marketing, um, to, to look at the data that's relevant to their business, find trends, find insights, and then adjust their strategy accordingly. Oh, okay. All right. So it all, that's great because if you guys are, are, are leading it and you're having this diverse talk and everything, and you're um, really pushing yourselves as well, that's going to help that company who hires your team, right? Because then it's going to help push them a little bit further along too. So I, I like that. I like that. So um, what, um what are the, some of the things that you are, are looking to do? Cause I know that you're, you're, you're coming onto a different a podcast, you're talking about, you know, the growth mindset, the way to have um, diversity, to innovation, all of that great stuff. So are you looking to um, like expand the, the, the mindset of these uh, CEOs and, and uh, companies? Are you looking to tell people more about your software? Like what, what is our goal? What's your goal? Honestly, my goal is to, <laughs> Sounds cheesy, but it's to have a world to live in in a couple centuries. And we have the answers in the data to do this. But mm -hmm. you said it, like there's so many people in the C-suite that, 
that don't listen to others, whether intentionally mm -hmm. or unintentionally. The downside of that is now you have the people just leaving the universities and they grow up and, and as kids, what do we all ask? We all ask why, because we're curious and that's how we build the mindset. And then we go to school and then we're in high school and we ask our teacher why and they think we're you know being disobedient and they send us to the principal. And then we go to our job and then we talk to our leaders in the C-suite and we challenge and they don't want to listen to it. We forget how to challenge. We forget yeah. how to be curious. We forget to how to ask questions. And now you have all this automation and machine learning that basically gives us answers that we're not challenging. I fear we're actually moving in the wrong direction. And so my yeah. goal is to make sure everyone's aware humans are needed more than ever. They, they mm -hmm. need to check these things, but we're not using those skills as much as we should be. And that's going to lead us to, unfortunately, pretty negative consequences, you know, in the future. Yeah, yeah I agree with that, Kevin. And, uh, you know, it's also this big disconnect, right, With between humans. There's a big disconnect. Um, I think, uh, and maybe I, I don't want to sound like all doom and gloom because that's not true either, but it just seems like there's uh, less empathy, you know, less sympathy. Uh, you know, yep. people don't really want to hear what you have to say, really. Um, there's a shutdown and to your point, right? Like if somebody's coming with a different idea, right? Or a different way of thinking and, um, nobody wants to listen to them. There's a shutdown that happens. Right. Um, but now we're talking about other aspects of life, not just work. Now we're talking about relationship exactly. in the home relationship, you with your neighbor relationship with your children, because everything affects us as human beings. Right. I agree with you too. Like when my, when uh, my kids are, they're adults now, but even as adults, when we're together, it's like all phones off the table or everything we're connecting. This is, we're doing this, you know, um, I I'm a coach by trade. So I love to sit down and like really listen to what a person is saying and give eye contact and be a part of that place. And, and that could be the old school in me too. You know, I'd rather do this than, mm -hmm. you know, than be, you know, uh, thinking about a way to make my life a little easier. Um, uh, and my husband says, you're old school. Yes, I, I am. And I kind of like that, you know, but that's I think part I'm of the problem it. is, yeah, well, exactly. It's old school. Yeah. And that's part of the problem is it shouldn't be old school. It should be mainstream. Right. Like you, you practice listening, but for the people graduating college, going to universities, very few of them, if any, have ever taken a course in listening, but they take courses mm -hmm. on reading and writing. They take courses mm -hmm. on technology and they know how to code an iPad app, but they don't know how to listen. Right. It's and it's not their fault, right? It's because they don't have, <laughs> they don't learn the skill. It's, listening is a it's skill. True. And I shouldn't say it's, it's, true. it's, I'm not being flippant, but they just don't learn the skill of how to um, stop playing on their iPad. And, and most people, when they're trying to listen, all they're doing is thinking about how they're going to object to what the person is saying. They're not really. Listening. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we lost that too, because of, I mean, texting, yeah. you know, like we text people now, we don't even talk to people on the phone anymore. So you don't have to listen, right? You read and then you make your own assumption to the tone of whatever it is you're reading. Right. Um, and that just I think that that's, you know, hindered us. I think it's hindered us, you know, because as like you said in the beginning, you know, like technology may be pushing us in the wrong direction. Not all of it, but a lot of it. Right. So yeah. what do you think is a way to get us back then? What do you think when you're looking at all of this and you're saying, you know, this is probably going the wrong way. So I'm going to be going on these podcasts, I'm going to be, you know, speaking my mind and trying to pull people back. How, how do you see that? What is it that you're thinking would shift things? 
Yep. So at, at the organization level, at the leadership level, I am a firm believer everyone should take courses on things like implicit bias. Um, because at the heart of it, people, if they understand how the brain thinks and how the brain makes decisions and how sometimes it's flawed and we don't see things from different perspectives, we only see things based mm-hmm. off of our perspective, our perspective. Mm-hmm. they're more open to see it. I, I, I talk to organizations and when I mention bias, well, there's probably 20% of the room that's like, no, that's voodoo, that's magic, that doesn't make sense, I don't have bias. And, and you know that they're not going to change when that happens. So you have to right. educate and make them aware we have bias, we have assumptions, we, we don't everybody at all. Exactly. Yes. And it's not malicious, right? We don't, right. It's, it's not a negative thing to say, it's fact. But it's people think, oh, well, I don't because I don't want to stereotype. Well, we all do it unintentionally. The point is right. to bring it to the conscious level and adjust it. So I'm trying, I, I would like everyone at leadership levels to, to learn about bias and build programs in their organizations to teach people the soft skills that we kind of stopped learning in like second or third grade, like active listening, um, critical thinking, problem Mm -hmm. solving, Mm -hmm. this intellectual humility of learning that, okay, if I make a mistake, let me just learn from it and move on. Let me not stick with it. Um, And I think if we do that, then it helps trickle down. Then obviously at the bottom in, in lower schools, we need to teach some of these things as well. Um, They not just teach. We, my kids learn, how to, you know, use technology, but they don't know how to think with the technology. It's like, mm-hmm. how do I program Minecraft? Not how do I apply it to a business situation or what is it doing for me? Or how do I get insights from it? It's just, mm-hmm. how do I use the tech? Not not in what situations and how do I use the insights from it? I think that's a that's gap as good. well. That's good. I think I think that's necessary too, especially right now, um, Kevin. Because there's uh, that's I think one of the things I've read the most and have had conversations with people about the most is not being heard at work, not being valued, um, you know, feeling like uh, I don't feel like working for you, you know, uh, fifteen hours a day. You don't you're not doing anything for me type of thing. Right. I was shocked actually, uh, especially coming off of the pandemic, you know, within the last year, you know, like speaking to a lot of like, um, you know, COOs and CEOs and all that. And I was, you know, and I'm like, so how's it going? Like, I don't want to do this crap no more. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm working, I'm working like 70 hour weeks. Like, I don't know. I, you know, and I'm like, Hmm. We're, we are losing. I mean, not that I think we should all be working 70 hour weeks, but I, there's something that's missing. Right. And I think what you're, what you're touching on is, is probably what that is. It's that is those soft skills that we are just not paying attention to anymore. And that's making us ill. I think, you know, um, giving us a lot of like, uh, uh, mental, you know, um, challenges, you know, we're not communicating well, people are losing mm-hmm. how to be articulate, like all of this stuff is happening. So are you, um, are you like reaching out to like big uh, corporations and stuff to try to, you know, uh, bring this into their, into their place of business? Are you trying to infiltrate them in that way? On the side, yeah. So, I mean, that's what I like to do. These podcasts and write blog articles yeah. is, is trying yeah. to do that. I, I mean, I, I, I'm passionate about the soft skills. I know them well. I teach them well. But it's about now getting the masses to see why it's relevant for organizations. So, mm-hmm. you know, if Good. this podcast helps or anything else, absolutely. It, and mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be any training. I it's just they need to take the awareness training wherever they get it. It's fine with me. But it's just about I, I think people focus so much on technology. Would use that they, they just 
like soft skills, eh? it's soft. I don't need any training on it. And right. we just don't prioritize right. it. We should not even call them soft skills, honestly. They should be I call hard them skills. forever skills. Yeah. So I say forever yeah. skills because no matter what, you know, in college, I was computer major and math major and all the languages I learned, they're already dead. So so the, the shelf life of technology is getting shorter and shorter. But if you learn critical thinking, you always need it forever. So it's, to me, right. it's a forever skill. Right. You know what I love? I love that um, that you're willing to look at things in a different way, too, because it just a curious mind to me is just so beautiful. You know, like I'll ask a random question when I'm doing these podcasts, but it's because my mind gets so curious. Like, wait, what does that yeah. mean? What does that mean? It's a little bit of the ADHD, too. You yeah. know? <laughs> just, <laughs> but I love my ADHD. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm, I, you know, I never, didn't get gift. diagnosed as a child, but to me, it's a gift. Exactly. It's a gift. Um, but I really like what you're doing. And I, I know that at right now, as me and you are talking, I know that the um, audience does have a lot of uh, C-suites and CEOs and thought leaders and things. I know that because I communicate with my audience, you know, and so I know that what you're talking about is going to hit a nerve to someone out here who's going to go, shoot, I maybe need to listen a little bit more. Maybe I need to communicate a little bit more. Maybe the reason people are leaving my company is because I'm not, you know, or maybe it's because, uh, you know, it could be any, it could be really anything, but I think if we're not aware and we don't start changing our mindset, we're in trouble. I mean, I already, I mean, even just, you know, today I was talking to one of my team members and they were saying, uh, I'm a chef by trade and I'm a director of culinary operations and I have a team of 20 under me. And, um, one of the chefs was making something. I'm like, this is really good. I said, you should do this. And he's like, wow, you really like, I'm like, yeah. One of the things that I do is I always take their advice, take their lead. You know what I'm saying? Like if they have a a dish they want to try or anything like that, I let them go for it. And they at first are like a little shocked because they're, you know, in a kitchen, they're usually told what to, what to do, what to, I, I'm not yep. like that. I like to, I like to learn. I know I don't know everything. So I love learning and that has really helped me keep my staff with me over seven years. Right. And so, um, it's been a really great way to learn to be a leader. Cause at first I used to feel threatened, you know, mm-hmm. and then I learned, I learned Kevin, I learned to stop being hard ass and abs- <laughs> well and the two things so you you know the two takeaways for the c-suite listening one is like you keep your you keep the retention high the mm-hmm. other thing is you are probably a better chef now as mm-hmm. a result of hearing all these things and seeing people try things and what failed or not you're learning and, and you're increasing your game so it helps you it helps yeah. the retention it's a win-win but it's yes, a win-win yeah. Yeah. I, I wish that we would get over our, our own selves, you know, like a lot of us, because like I said, I speak to a lot of really brilliant minds and sometimes I, I almost feel for them because I don't think they can see past their own nose, you know? Yeah. Um, so I like what you're doing and I like that you're going around and, you know, um, going to all these podcasts and really talking about things that people can actually utilize Kevin, because it's necessary. And especially in such a time as this. Like, I really feel like we are in trouble, you know, when it comes to businesses and corporations and all these layoffs and people not wanting to go back to work and all that. And it could be that that piece that you're talking about, those soft skills. If somebody would just freaking listen, you know, like somebody enters your business and sees something wrong. If you would just listen, you might be able to fix a problem that you didn't even know you had, you know? Absolutely. 
Yeah. And just, yeah. just for the readers too, like I would put listen in air quotes because they're probably saying I do listen, but they don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. Yeah. That's so true. That's so true. Kevin, thank you so much for being on Straight Talk and like talking to all of these leaders that are listening right now, because I know, I know for me anyway, just the conversation with you in these last few minutes, I know I'm going to take some of this with me because I have a team, I have a big team, you know, I have a big team with a lot of different personalities and some new people coming on. Right. But I, if I'm wrong and I always, I do, um, I do a 360 assessment. I have them mm -hmm. assess me you know, and I do that on purpose because I want to know, I want to know. Yeah. Right. So when they say to me, well, you know, chef, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, you know what? I didn't know I was doing that. We'll start working on that. And I actually have it on my wall and I work on it all the time, you know? Awesome. Uh, yeah. But it wasn't me in the beginning, Kevin. Sorry to say it wasn't me in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. It's growth, but thank you. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for um, opening our eyes to a lot of this stuff and and uh, really just letting us realize that, you know, you cannot replace a human with technology. I mean, we have got to connect. We have to. So um, is there anywhere that people can go and like read anything you have or follow you or support you or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. Go to my website, kevinhannigan.com. I linked to a couple of the books that are there, blogs or videos, and I have right. a link to LinkedIn. If people just want to ask random questions and see, you know, pass them by me, feel free to connect and ask away. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much for being on. And thank you for like sharing wisdom and knowledge, because that's what I love to do here is to give my my audience something that they can really, you know, transform their thinking on. So thank you for being here today. I appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, see, I told you I find the best humans on the planet and Kevin Hannigan is one of them. So I'm going to make sure to link all of his information below because I do want you to connect with him. How intelligent and smart and, and amazing was that, right? I love that. And Kevin, just so uh, you know, I also have a grandchild. He's three years old and he has autism. So um, he, I know about the black and white thing, but um, yep. their minds are absolutely amazing. Absolutely gift, yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So guys, thank you guys so much for being here. This is Nina Perez, Straight Talk, No Sugar Adam. Make sure that you follow Kevin. Do not miss an opportunity to speak to such a brilliant mind as his. I love you guys. I'll talk to you soon.